0: on News Talk 1340, KROC-AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. It's Thursday. That means Tom Ostrom is back behind the microphone with myself, Andy Brownell, for Rochester Today. Hey, good morning, Tom. Good morning, Andrew.
1: Is that one of your fishing shirts or something different? No, no, it's just a
0: regular short sleeve shirt. Sorry to disappoint. (laughs) You look pretty good.
1: Well, what's in the mailbag today, Tom? Branco. Trump. It shows Trump with a shield like a medieval knight would have and he's holding it up uh, and then he's got a flag like a military guy would be carrying uh we the people. And uh, the, the the shield is holding up and stopping all kinds of arrows uh, coming in and the arrows have little signs on them what... Trump is protecting himself and the people from. And one arrow says the DOJ. Another one says the FBI. Another one, rhinos, IRS, mainstream media, and Democrats in general. <laughs> so that's Branko's idea. And then Branko has a second cartoon that was sent to me. Uh, it shows Garland, the... Uh, uh, Attorney General. Then it shows the FBI director Ray, and they have nose uh, clothespins on their nose because of the odor emanating from their institutions, and they've got a sign that says Trump with a target on it, and uh, it, it says, "Franco says law and odor, not law and order. Law and order, and uh, and and the odor that the guys are smelling are." The Pelosi's, Hillary, drug cartels, Hunter Biden family, Swalwell, China spying, China fentanyl, left-wing riots, voter fraud, uh, and they're ignoring the smell and just have a target of Trump. And then uh, one more thing. Criticus sent this. He just thinks it's absolutely disgraceful how the public school teachers with their grooming and their other things that are – Uh, wokeism, uh, he just uh, sees education in decline and he sent me this article from Alpha News about Minneapolis teachers, uh, the union contract calls for the layoffs of white teachers first and Criticus says this is so outrageous and it's openly racist Uh, what would be the case if the opposite policy were followed and he sent the article and again, the Minneapolis Teachers Union new contract says white teachers will be laid off or reassigned, or uh, uh, before educators of color will. And the Minnesota Federation of Minneapolis Public Schools struck a deal in March educators of color protection it's called and uh, it's and then uh, what their formulas are for accessing teachers i had to read it several times accessing means laying off laying off and it's just blatantly uh, discriminatory i wonder if any teachers will speak out or they don't want to be called racist i wonder if any civil liberties groups will take their case to the courts then uh, the district says we have to do it because of past discrimination and we have to protect the uh, people of color. And, and uh, uh, so, um, and according to the star tribune in the article, 16% of Minneapolis public school teachers with tenure and 25, 27% of its probationary teachers are, people of color Uh, but an interesting things and I can see how they want to match this up more than 60% of the students Andy in the Minnesota public schools uh, uh, Minneapolis I say MPS stands for Minneapolis public schools by the way more than 60% of the students are people of color so uh, anyway uh, criticus says blatant racism we'll see if the courts uh, act on that or not yeah, it's that's uh, the, I, the mailbag. I did read about that. And
0: it is uh, the legal parts of it are interesting. I I, mean, I don't I don't have the answers to because it is a negotiated contract. And the teachers themselves voted in favor of this contract. It ended the strike. If you remember, right, they had that terrible strike this past winter. And that clause got mm-hmm. thrown in there. And, I, you know, you wonder how many teachers were aware of it. And uh I wonder if they had to do any quote unquote what do they what'd you call that? Excessing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the first time I had yeah. heard that term used for teacher layoffs. Yeah. But they're they are routine because the school student population changes every year for each school building. And so teachers do get reassigned and laid off based upon those student numbers every single year. Many of them get rehired or placed in another school depending on what's happening so it is relatively complex but if one of those teachers were to be accessed and file a lawsuit it would be um, it would be a lawsuit to follow closely let's put it that way i don't the, the part that if it was something that was mandated by the district without the teachers union accepting it i think it would probably be fall under no way that would ever work but the fact that they signed the contract and then the rank and file approve that contract, that might be the complicating factor in deciding whether that's legal or not.
1: Well, but the majority rule uh, can't be racist though. I mean, uh, America was a racist nation before the Emancipation Proclamation and before civil rights laws in the 60s. Uh, the majority were that way. The courts didn't stand for it just because it was a majority. No, I, I, I'm just saying. And, that, and too, you know, who wants to be called a racist or to be thought to be insensitive?
0: No, I, I, I get that. But I think I and I once again, I'm just completely speculating here. It's total nonsense. And nobody should listen to what I'm saying because I'm not a lawyer. I'm not on <laughs> the Supreme Court. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wonder and for myself. We have. Of having that contract,
1: that news contract, makes a difference. Yeah, but you're you're raising the bar for you and me when you said you're not an expert. If we have to be experts on all the topics we talk about, <laughs> <we're done. laughs> is there anything
0: else in the mailbag, Tom? No. <laughs> okay, we'll take our break, and we'll be back in just a moment with more of Rochester today here on News Talk. 1340 KROC AM at 96.9 FM. This is the Family Service Rochester Mental Health. Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back to Rochester today. Tom Ostrom's here. I'm Andy Brownell. What do you want to start with, Tom? Here's Minnesota statewide local stuff.
1: Well, uh, Mayor Frey is getting some backbone. He wants to in the Minneapolis Police Department and uh, he, uh, he didn't support Representative Ilhan Omar in the last election and uh, their, their feud is continuing and he had some harsh words for her he said she narrowly escaped defeat in the Tuesday primary uh, by just two points she won by a funny uh, a funny da- Don Samuels didn't ask for a recall uh, count but uh, recount, I mean, uh, but maybe the margin is one percent, not two percent. But anyway, uh, Omar won, but barely. And and the mayor said uh, she's got to do better working with people. We have different philosophies. We have different issues. Uh, she can't just send out vitriolic tweets and be mean spirited. She's got to work with the people uh, and. Uh, And so Omar then criticized him for not providing adequate safety for the city of Minneapolis. So he goes after her and said, that's rank hypocrisy. She's for defunding the police. He accuses me of not being tough on crime. And then reporters asked Omar what she thought of his comments. And she said, the mayor is incompetent and the mayor is childish. So she didn't learn much from it and hasn't uh, changed her tune. I wonder... uh how that works
0: when you have the mayor of the largest city in the state of Minnesota and the congress the us representative who represents quite a few of those people who live in the state's largest city and they're not getting along i because these large cities rely on representation in congress to obtain those federal funds they so badly need To uh, maintain their budgets. And if those two can't get along, I mean, they're not getting along at any level. Mm -hmm. I is he flew out to D.C. to meet with her and she she wouldn't even meet with him. And he sat in her office or out of office and and Um, she completely uh, said that missed the meeting. Um, Yeah. If I were a citizen of Minneapolis, I'd be getting concerned. That's for sure. But she will be the next. She will be in Congress next year. I, I mean I you know this the primary in that case was essentially the election because of the demographic makeup of that part of the state, that district. Uh, I talked right. to Bill I talked to Bill Werner earlier in the week um about that and I asked if the results of that primary being so close uh would that mean she might be vulnerable to a Republican candidate? And Bill, who's <laughs> very closely watched both statewide politics and Minneapolis politics for decades, um, he more or less laughed at me and said, mm-hmm. no, there's, there's no way, never. He goes, uh, she, in fact, won re-election by winning that
1: primary. Okay. Well, uh, another contentious political arena is Governor Walz uh, and his gop opponent for the gubernatorial slot dr scott jensen uh waltz and jensen have only debated once this campaign season at FarmFest, and since then jensen said the governor has declined to participate in four additional debates he's been asked he won't do it and uh and, and uh, jensen thinks that's terrible uh waltz uh, though says uh If we do any more debates, the moderators can't let him put out false information. You know, the liberals talk about misinformation. That means anything they disagree with, but he's not uh, inclined to uh, debate Jensen, who did a good job and had, I think, uh, public support in their their only debate. But uh, but, uh, Waltz is not anxious to evidently be in a public forum uh, this round.
0: And that debate was at Farm Fest in Redwood Falls. In Redwood Falls, that area of the state is about as conservative of an area of the state as you can find. That whole western part of Minnesota is staunchly conservative, very, very much red territory. And I, I, I'm a little fascinated that Walls um, seemed to be surprised by the greeting he received there, the... the The crowd was not very sympathetic to him other than those who traveled with him from the Twin Cities. And even after the debate, members of the crowd were peppering him with some very um, sharply worded questions, let's put it that way, that he didn't seem to appreciate. But I know that Jensen wanted to debate at the state fair, which has become kind of a tradition. It hasn't always happened, but it's become a tradition that when there's a governor's race that they have a forum there. And I think it's public radio that sponsors it and moderates it Yeah, and, and I, I would think the public or the mm-hmm. the state fair in minneapolis um I, I would have thought walls would have been a bit more confident about appearing there in a debate format than he would have at FarmFest in redwood falls
1: right and and waltz uh, should be more confident he knows what the issues are that make him look bad in the minneapolis crime and uh, the riots and everything um but he's quite loquacious, and uh, his verbal skills have gotten him by in the past. But Scott Jensen is a more formidable debater than I think Waltz was expecting. And, and also, as you pointed
0: out, I was going to just say, Tom, the issues aren't really aligning well with Walz, um, especially on the crime issue. And he is, he is going out of his way to try to make it appear that he is tough on crime. And uh, it's kind of ringing hollow, let's put it that way.
1: A little late. Plus, repercussions from the COVID lockdowns that he favored and the businesses that had trouble recovering uh, and many failed, uh, 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 that's still hanging around too. Uh, 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 So he'll be answering to that. And then, uh, this is interesting, 15,000 Minnesota nurses have authorized a strike. They say we're overworked, we're underpaid, and, and some of the administrators of these hospitals make uh, outrageous salaries. A couple of them make a million dollars, and the nurses are, are just up in arms. there, These are 15,000, Andy, at 14 hospitals in Minnesota and one hospital in Superior, Wisconsin, uh, the University of Minnesota Hospital and uh, St. Joseph's Hospital in St. Paul and. uh Children's Hospital and uh, uh, a Duluth let's see a Duluth Hospital st. Mary's Medical Center and in in, uh, in 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 there and then uh, st. Louis Park Hospital is a, uh, the Children's Hospital in Minneapolis and in st. Paul st. Luke's and Duluth and uh, and the union representatives of these nurses say we are overworked we're underpaid and uh, and administrators don't listen to our suggestions about um, uh, getting better health service to to the public and to be more economical. And
0: if the strike does happen, I think it's been described as it would be one of the largest ever in the history of the United States as far as nurses are concerned. And I think a lot of the issues they raise are very, very legitimate, but I don't know how adequately you could address them because I think there is a nationwide nursing shortage so, I imagine there's open positions at these high, and I'm, once again, I don't know that. So, I, I'm just going by what I hear locally, that um, nurses are in high demand. And, I, and remember I, and the nurse how,
1: layoff. Uh, I'm sorry, Tom? No, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I was going to
0: say, I I wonder if it's similar to what's happening with the police departments, that you have a staffing shortage, but you don't have a pool of candidates to take care of that staffing shortage and I imagine if you raised wages high enough that might solve part of it but part of the issue I think is this whole pandemic these poor nurses they did get put through the grinder and they are burned out and and it's a continual state of I don't crisis might not be the right term but a continual situation of staffing shortages and having to work harder to take care of the patients they have and Lord knows, I would never say anything. <laughs> the The people who work in that profession um, are some of the best people in the whole world. I would, um, sure. and I yeah. and when I went through, I went through last winter. The nurses who cared for me were all just top notch people. I mean, just I I I couldn't have been more impressed with the work they did and the type of people they are and how caring they were and how skilled they were.
1: And I sure. so I can
0: and I can understand completely why. These union nurses are as upset as they are,
1: and then their responsibilities are so great, and they have to be congenial and very intelligent, uh, to the master their courses. Their their subject areas when they study is not wokery; it's hard science, and they've got to be on the ball, and they've got to be energetic uh, and congenial. Uh, and, and they want uh, up to 32% uh, wage increases. And the administrators of the hospital said that's absolutely impossible fiscally and economically. And remember the staffers that were laid off because they wouldn't get vaccinated. I suppose, I suppose there's a little bit of a shortage there, but uh,
0: yeah, I think the administrators though, do also have a point that they're being squeezed on both sides. The insurance companies and especially the federal government are always uh, trying to uh, reduce their reimbursement rates, trying to hold the line on costs, which they should be doing. And if you were going to raise wages by that level, uh, it would greatly increase healthcare costs. And I understand the argument that the administrators making the big bucks, and and that's you know that's usually pointed out in many of these situations but finding somebody to hold that job and well i guess nurses make the same argument you can't find enough nurses at the level of pay that they're offering now and the administration people argue well you can't get the people in there to run these big hospital systems unless you compensate them well and uh yeah it's a mess i just hope they can avoid a strike that's all i can say yeah all right tom yeah we'll we'll take our break then and we'll be back in a moment right after the news how's that rochester today will continue in a moment on mm-hmm. news talk 1340 kROC am and 96.9 fm beer beer and more beers are coming your way today thursday with tom ostrom i'm Andy brownell anything else going on out there tom besides mar-a-lago and the brewing controversy i know we're going to talk about that as well
1: well the primaries uh, took place uh, Liz Cheney, uh, the Republican on the January 6th committee, uh, got defeated overwhelmingly by a, a Wyoming attorney, conservative Harriet uh, Hageman. Uh, and, and Hageman said that uh, Wyoming has had enough of this politicization and uh, the leftist extremism that, Lisa, that uh, Cheney represents. So it's Cheney lost. Uh, and And Alisa Mikowski in uh, Alaska uh, won, but she voted against trump's uh, she voted against Trump too, and for his impeachment. But she's going on to the general election too, even though she voted against uh, against Trump. And then there were ten Republicans who voted uh, to. Uh, uh, to 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 impeach Trump, and in the primaries, only two of those ten were re-elected. Eight were defeated. Those that voted to impeach Trump,
0: but some um, of them also didn't run, is my understanding.
1: Well, they're resigning uh, from Congress. Uh, okay. Well, then, okay. But but Lisa, anyway, uh, Sarah Palin will get to the uh, uh, general election, but that. Alaska vote is is very difficult. There were two ballots, and one was to complete the term of a congressman who died. And then Alaska has this uh, ranked voting thing that will be complex, and and so that's difficult. But anyway, and I can't explain it all, but Sarah Palin will go on uh, to be in the general election too. And so uh, that's about what all that I have uh, on the election. Then Liz Cheney trashed Trump after getting bounced uh, out of office, and she might go on to the media, who knows what she's going to be on. But she compared herself with Abraham Lincoln, a great leader, and Lincoln lost uh, uh, electoral votes and, and lost a quest for office before he became president. Uh, but she's not going to be quiet. She says she has to protect America from Trump, and she'll continue to do it somehow.
0: I, I suspect that she'll end up on one of the cable TV channels, but there's been the grumblings. She hasn't said anything yet, but there's certainly been uh, grumblings that she might consider 2024 mounting a presidential campaign. She says
1: she's thinking about it, yeah. Yeah,
0: and I don't understand how she thinks that could work. Um, <laughs> I mean, she ran on a national agenda in Wyoming, basically. Painting herself as the patriotic defender of democracy and the um, enemy of Donald Trump, and the voters in Wyoming soundly rejected that. And you you can analyze that a whole bunch of different ways, but on the national scene, if she were, I I don't know, would she try to run as a a Democrat? And I, I don't see that flying because her actual politics are fairly conservative, especially on many of the issues. Uh, she's no friend of Donald Trump. And if you're going to define the Republican Party as Donald Trump, uh, she won't be welcome there. But where would she be welcome to mount a presidential campaign? I, I, I just really don't see uh, um, Democrats accepting. She She wouldn't even be a moderate Democrat. She is still, if you look at her voting record, a conservative Republican, other mm-hmm. than the Trump stuff.
1: Yes. Well, she wouldn't get many. Republican votes, all right. And I don't think Democrats, for the reasons you're saying, would accept her. They've got their own agendas. But uh, for now, she's is uh, dead in the water. And uh, then uh, senior Department of Justice officials have blasted the FBI's raid on Mar-a-Lago, Mar-a-Lago Trump's home, uh, the FBI raid. And two senior DOJ officials who are not Republican, spoke for anonymity that they think that the FBI overreach is uh, extraordinary and excessive and counterproductive uh, in that regard. So uh, Republicans are saying, if we get an office office control, uh, Garland's going to be brought before us. Uh, Senator Grassley of Iowa says that. He's going to be brought before us, maybe impeached, and so will the FBI Director Ray. Uh, because Eric Trump, uh, Trump's uh, son, said, We had security cameras at the house. The FBI agents wouldn't show our, her, Trump's lawyers uh, what their documents are. Uh, some people say the FBI was looking for. Uh, documents that Trump was suing them over for their politicization and that's what they were after and and some say that uh, the whistleblowers are saying that the FBI wanted to get at documents that we couldn't get at because they're covered by executive uh, authority and attorney-client privilege and so they were looking for things like that but Eric Trump said the Mar-a-Lago security cameras were ordered by the FBI to be turned off, but they weren't turned off. We have plenty of evidence to show how FBI agents behaved improperly, and some of them are the focus of Trump's suit against the FBI for political machinations against him and uh, FBI cover-ups and dishonesty, as Trump put it, and uh, some of those agents were there on the scene looking for documents. So a lot of accusations Uh, And then Grassley uh, of of Iowa, the senator, and Jordan, the congressman from Ohio, they said, we are getting whistleblowers from the FBI that are giving us all kinds of documentary evidence of misconduct because they are uh, proud agents, proud of their agency, their bureau, and they think things have gone too far and we're getting lots of information from them, so... Uh, uh, And then the FBI is getting threats. They've had to put a security fence around their Washington, D.C. headquarters. And so this, uh, whether the FBI overreached or whether they really got something on Trump that will nail them uh, remains to be seen, Andy. Yeah, that's a good way to put it.
0: Remains to be seen. And a lot of what we read today is speculation. Uh, I read, I think it was Newsweek had an article about some of the things that you were talking about that, You know, there are some who are saying that there's a stash of documents that the former president would keep. And some of them were individual pages ripped out of intelligence reports that were of topics of interest to him and that the FBI was worried that even if Trump turned over the documents to the National Archives, which was under negotiations, he would try to keep this stash of documents for himself and that they were worried that, quote, I'm quoting the magazine here by saying he would weaponize these documents in the 2024 election. And part of that was, you know, what, what do you want to call it, Gate or whatever. Um, and that people in the FBI might be worried about what those documents have to say. But there was also concern that some of the documents that he may have stashed away, and I, I say may have because this is all speculation again, could reveal sources or methods used by the intelligence committee community that they would not want known to our enemies. And they wanted to bring these documents under control because they were concerned. The former president might, uh, utilize them in a public manner that could be harmful. But once again, it's, this is what somebody is saying is a possibility on the other side of the coin is the legal aspect of it and what the law says and how any of these papers are handled And the accusation of mishandling these documents, which is a criminal offense, um, raises the possibility of a prosecution. But then it also raises the comparison to the Hillary Clinton email scandal where the exact same accusation was being made that by storing these classified documents in an insecure email server, um, some secrets on the way we gather intelligence and the sources that we use... Could have been obtained by some of our enemies and may have been obtained by some of our enemies. But yet that did not result in any prosecution. So wait and see, right, Tom? Wait and see. (laughs) That's (laughs) right. And it's one of those, it's frustrating for, I think it is frustrating for citizens, the American people. Because I know there are people out there who have their minds made up. You know Donald Trump is the worst person who ever existed. He's evil incarnate, and he was going to destroy our country and then on the other side, and i it's there are hardcore believers who believe that Donald Trump can do no wrong, and he is the best president we ever had and then there's a whole bunch of us in the middle who are just going, huh, "I want more information."
1: Yeah, and and Trump was too much of a patriot, I think, to damage uh, the United States and give anything to our enemies. And he was cooperating with the FBI and and the archives people uh, in the Government Services Administration. They were negotiating. He sent some boxes back that they that they wanted, and uh, so. Uh, and he's he's not giving up. I'll say this. That man has resilience and backbone. Uh, most people would have been destroyed by what happened to him during his campaign and during his four years and is still happening. And he doesn't quit. He said, I'll fight him till the end. And he that's that resolve is what attracts him to many people saying, you're it the is. kind of president we need.
0: That's undeniable. I think there's a, that is a certain trait in his personality that many admire. And I know that the Justice Department has returned his passports that were taken Mm -hmm. during the raid and may be preparing to return a bunch of other documents that should not have been taken but were grabbed up that were obviously dealing with executive privilege and or um, attorney-client confidentiality. But they already have returned the
1: passport saying they never should have been taken. They weren't covered by the warrant. right? And he did have some very sensitive documents, evidently, because the FBI asked him to put – they knew what he had, evidently – and asked him to put a special reinforcing lock on what he had in a certain place. And he did. Then the FBI came to his house and blamed him for having that lock, and they (laughs) cut it off. (laughs) Well, I'm sure we'll
0: might have a trickle of additional information over the next few days, so we might have some more to discuss when we talk uh, again on Tuesday. But we have to take our break, and we will continue with today's show, uh, Rochester Today with Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell, back in a moment on News Talk. Thirteen forty KROC AM and ninety six nine FM. Guess what? We went to the Twins game last night, and Louis, Andy Brownell, and Tom Ostrom on News Talk thirteen forty KROC AM and ninety six nine FM. Good morning, everyone. We've well, we've got a few minutes left in our show today with Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell. Last few days, Tom, we crossed over the one year anniversary since the. Paul, the pullout of American forces, the remaining American forces in Afghanistan, and the, uh, the fall of the democratically elected government of Afghanistan to the Taliban. I know they had celebrations in Afghanistan, the Taliban did, but I imagine the citizens of Afghanistan do not have a whole lot to celebrate. And conditions in that country have gone down. They went down very, very quickly. The economy is almost non-existent. Um, A lot of the so-called promises the Taliban made, they never kept. But we don't have American troops on the soil anymore, and that that is one positive. They're not at risk, at least. But whether or not that was a good move, um, uh, I guess we'll have to wait for the history books to be written.
1: Yes, we don't have uh, troops there anymore, but I've read we have as many as 100 Americans that were left behind. And there's still efforts to get them out of there. And and the Taliban was celebrating with millions of dollars worth of equipment. They were driving around from Humvees to tanks to everything else, and uh, they're celebrating that. But you know, one of the few achievements that I think our military got in Afghanistan was the liberation of Muslim women. And when the military there, women were going to school. There were there were Muslim police officers who were female. And and they had rights and jobs that uh, that that they deserved and handled well, but uh, now the Taliban has taken that back, and so so some brave Muslim women were demonstrating, and the Taliban is so vicious. I wonder what Omar thinks of that. Why did not somebody ask Omar uh, what do you think of the Muslim extremism that destroys women? Because. The soldiers used gunfire to break up the women's rights protests, and they beat the women. Uh, Where's Omar on that? Where are the women in America on that? And and the women are saying, we're not going to give up. We had freedoms. They're being taken away. And I mean, to walk into an area where soldiers are shooting up in the air and beating you with rifle butts, and these women aren't going to stop. You talk about courage uh, in that sense.
0: And also, Tom, besides that pledge that the Taliban made to the Biden administration, um, they also said that the uh, Al-Qaeda would not be allowed back in. Uh, the Taliban has always been friendly to Al-Qaeda, enemies of ISIS. But we have de facto proof that Al-Qaeda has been let back in when we went and sent the drone to kill al zawari And that was in Afghanistan. So apparently he was able to feel comfortable enough to go stand on the balcony overlooking whatever building he was in. Um, So, yeah. But then again, I mean, for a lot of folks, that was a popular move by Biden to pull us out of there. That it's time to be wash our hands of this affair after two decades. Um, to be done with it and and to move on. And there was there, you know, basically there was no chance for victory in that country. It was just a, I don't know, um, a stalemate more or less. And um, the U.S. forces there, there were very limited forces when the pullout did occur. Were a stabilizing force for the democratically elected government, but um, they were just hanging on. I I don't know. This is. I don't know. That's why I say it's going to be one for the history books long term to see what happens in that part of the world. If the the poison policies of the Taliban spread to Pakistan and other neighboring countries and it gets worse over there or if uh, the people of Afghanistan finally have enough of it and take their country back. I just don't know.
1: Well, Afghanistan has a lot of strategic resources and I guess their governments have never been able to uh do anything with that or uh, but uh, they're there to be uh mined and uh, and China is anxious to do it too but there's twenty years of failure and when I see these ads on TV about uh, charitable groups buying homes for wounded veterans and you see men and women with their limbs amputated and badly injured, what do we get out of twenty years there uh, you know and when are we going to stop trying to nation build and change? cultures that have been entrenched uh, in those regions for centuries even. Uh, So I hope it stops that we're sending our troops to remake nations uh, because we didn't get much out of it. uh, No question about that, at least in my mind.
0: Oh yeah. And the, the debate continues in the halls of the Pentagon because the Pentagon really pushed hard to continue having at least an air base there so you can mount operations. But, uh, that that was pulled away as well, and, and I, I know a lot of people still remain upset about the way it was done. They weren't really upset that we left Afghanistan, but they are still upset the way that happened rather than a more gradual and organized pull back. It was a mad rush to get out, and we left so much equipment there and left, as you pointed out, people there. <laughs> The images last year of the the frantic people at the airports and uh, other people in other parts of that country trying to get out any way they could because they knew the Taliban would take over and they continue. Well, that's the one thing that we'll live on and probably we'll see in, in TV commercials coming up in the next couple of years is the Biden administration, the president himself assuring us that, oh, no, the the, the government can hold the, the, the Taliban won't be, you know, it won't be a quick takeover. This will they'll they'll be there for many many months and what was it a week uh, the government fell
1: yeah and Trump's policies had the had those uh, extremist groups pretty well under control and uh, there is a reason for islamophobia uh, I, want, I just wonder why reporters don't ask uh, Omar, who finds so much fault in the United States, what do you think of your Muslim brothers over there and what they're doing to your Muslim sisters over there? Why don't um, you complain about that? Why don't you understand that? Well, she came from Somalia, which was a pretty rigorous dictatorship.
0: But uh, a lot of good people of the Muslim faith fled those areas and now live in our country and are trying to make their homes here and adjust. And uh, I and I see evidence of it all the time that that adjustment is it's gradual, but it is happening, and it's probably going better than some people would have thought.
1: Oh, sure, and you see Muslims that are Americanized, and they appreciate uh, being here, and they they're engaged in helping uh, people, helping uh, professions uh, like healthcare. You see a lot of Muslim women in the healthcare industry, helping people. So that indeed, that has to be mentioned. But they're Tom, taking advantage of the freedom. I just looked at the clock. We have to run. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Go All right.
0: <laughs> so you have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday.
1: Okay.
0: All right. Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell. It's been Rochester Today for a Thursday on News Talk 1340, KROC AM I'm a 96.9 FM. And paid for by the Victims Justice Group.
1: Attention military personnel